minor prophet Jonah. We'll read from chapter 1, verse 17, until the end of chapter 2, verse 10. Jonah, chapter 1, 17, to chapter 2, verse 10. Thus says the word of God. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, and thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out out of thy sight, yet I will look again towards thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The death closed me around, round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. This far the reading of the word of God. Our text tonight comes from the book of prophet Jonah. As we'll continue our series through the book of the prophet Jonah. But before we start, let us come before the Lord once again and ask for his blessing. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, we come before thee, Lord, now to hear thy word. Thy word that is powerful to commission a sinner man like us to proclaim thy message. Thy word that is capable of bringing us up from the bottom of the pit of affliction. Lord, we pray that just as we sing, let me leave, Lord, to tell thy praises because of thy loving kindness and mercy. So, oh, Lord, equip, equip us tonight with thy word for the building up of thy kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we continue tonight our series in the book of Jonah, and we'll meditate on chapter 1, verse 17, to chapter 2, verse 10. Well, if the book of Jonah was a movie series, the last chapter finished in an unexpected way, in a sort of anticlimactic moment, we could say. 
our hero, if we could call Jonah that, was cast into the sea, into the storm, and that appeared to be the end of the story. Our main character would die in the storm. And if we could set aside for a moment that we all know the story of Jonah and what happened, this would have been a great movie poster for the, for the sequence, perhaps with the title, The Return of the Prophet, holding up the plot that Jonah actually survived the storm. The unbelievable happened. If this was part of the narrative, it's mind-blowing. It's unbelievable. How could this be possible? And in this narrative tonight, we'll meditate on God's far-reaching salvation that is capable of reaching the most unexpected places, the rock bottom of the pit of affliction, capable of reaching out to the greatest of the sinners. And to do so, we'll meditate on the three headings tonight. First, providence reaches the unknown. Second, mercy Reads the bottom. And third, grace reads the unreachable. Remember that the original Hebrew text didn't have verse, verse numbers or chapter numbers. So in the Hebrew Bible, actually, verse 17 is verse 1 of chapter 2. So this makes chapter 1, 2, and 3 start in a very similar manner. All of them are starting with the Lord reaching out to Jonah. And this is exactly how our text begins this afternoon. Providence reads the unknown. Verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. You see, the Lord is controlling everything behind the scenes. And now he had prepared a great fish to swallow up the running prophet. He, has, he is the producer who is orchestrating all things behind the scenes in the book of Jonah and also in our lives. God's providence is really mind-blowing in the book of Jonah. See, God calls Jonah, and Jonah runs, runs away from God, and there was a sheep waiting for Jonah. And then Jonah flees, and there was a storm prepared for him. And Jonah cast into the sea, and lo and behold, there was a fish prepared for him again in the sea. God was preparing Jonah for Nineveh, but in the meanwhile, he was also preparing Nineveh for Jonah and Jonah for Nineveh. He prepared Jonah for the sailors, the storm for the sailors and Jonah, and the fish for Jonah. He was preparing and controlling all things by his almighty providence. Again, Jonah almost feels like a movie. You have all these elements that little by little starts to fall into place. If this was a movie, it would be an unbelievable movie. But this was real. And the only way that the book of Jonah is possible is because there was a sovereign God holding the pen of history behind it. A God who controls everything from storms to fish and even the hearts of the sinner man. God prepared a great fish, and this fish had to be interested on, on that night to have an unusual meal. He had to be ready to swallow up Jonah. And this verb here, to swallow up, is not really 
used in a good sense, it is often a synonym of complete destruction. Something that would be blot out, completely destroyed, swallow up, means that Jonah, that this would be the end for Jonah. This would most likely be the end of his story. That's it. He would be destroyed. But despite everything that happened, Jonah is alive. The astonishing deliverance is evidence of God's providence in his life. But the most supernatural in Jonah's book is not that he survived in the belly of a great fish. But it is, how can a sinner be changed by God? It is, how can a sinner survive in face of a just God and be transformed by His mercy? How can a rebellious sinner meet God's unfailing grace? If you search for commentaries or liberal preachers, you will hear all kinds of things. Some will say that, yes, it it was a whale this big or that big that swallowed up Jonah. And others will say that Jonah was in a kind of a coma, and at some point he was then resurrected, kind of, or maybe he was just dreaming, and that didn't really happen. It happens all in Jonah's mind, but the truth is unknown, they would say. But as we read the book of Jonah... The question that we should ask back to them is, are you kidding me? Is that the big question that you have in face of Jonah's story? Are you wondering how he could have survived inside that great fish? The big question is not how Jonah survived his encounter with the great fish. It's how he survived his encounter with God, with a just and almighty God. The great question of Jonah is, how could Jonah have survived God? In 1 Kings chapter 13, we read that there was a man of God, a faithful, bold man of God, that went to proclaim God's word to the king against the king, Jeroboam. And he proclaimed God's word against Jeroboam and all his priests, all Israel. He was a fearless king. It it takes boldness to go into the king's court to proclaim God's word against him. And then the king tries to arrest this man of God. And the text says, But the hand which he put forth, that is the hand of the king, dried up. You see, the supernatural was happening there. And as the king tried to reach for this, this prophet to arrest him, his hand dried up. And then the prophet prays, and the hand of the king is restored. An incredible story. And after all this, the Lord tells the prophet, the man of God, don't stop to drink or eat. Leave this place. Simply leave this place immediately. But on the way, he meets an old prophet in Bethel. And this old prophet lies to him. He tells him a lie. He tells him that the word of the Lord came to him and told the man of God to stay in his house. And the man of God stays there and eats with this prophet, with this old prophet. 
But the man of God doesn't even finish to enjoy his meal, and the sentence from the Lord comes. First King chapter 13, verses 21 and 22. For as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandments which the Lord thy God commanded thee, thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulchre of thy fathers. And then verse 24. And when he was gone, that is, when the man of God was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his, his carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it. The lion also stood by the carcass. What an unbelievable story. That the bold man of God went to the court of the king to do God's business. But another prophet lied to him. And immediately, God punished him. No second chance for the man of God. Immediately, the word of God came to him and punished him. So if your only question about Jonah is, how could he have survived the fish? You're missing the point. You're missing the point of the book of Jonah. You are missing the full picture. The question is, how could this running prophet have survived God? Jonah himself is so surprised with the fact that he survived that he breaks into thanksgiving and prayer to the Lord. Verse, chapter 2, verse 1. Then, and only then, finally, Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. After so much has happened in Jonah's life, after a storm, after a fish, after all that, finally, he prayed unto the Lord in trouble Jonah finally prays to the Lord. Jonah experiences God's grace in his own life, and he prays, both showing thanksgiving to God for all that he has done and worshiping God. And he does, he does so using the words of the Psalms. As we will see, the prayer that Jonah is given is actually borrowing words from the Psalms. And that already teaches us that we should both Sing the psalms, pray the psalms, have them memorized, and use them to storm the mercy seat, as Jonah did. For the first time in the book, we have Jonah's response of submission to God, to the Lord his God, from whose presence he was running up to this point. Apparently, being on the brink of death brought Jonah back to his senses, was finally in face of God, and he couldn't run anymore. The prayer of one who was in the brink of perishing, who not so long ago was resentful with God over God's right to save sinners from perishing. You see, Jonah is now giving thanks to God for saving him from perishing when he was fleeing from God because God would save others from perishing. The fact that God didn't destroy him was a surprise enough to bring him back at his knees to trust and obey God. Ironically, 
is being thrown overboard into the sea, swallowed up by a fish, that Jonah finally prayed to God. God's providence is often mysterious to us. Why someone lives and another dies, things that we can respond, that we don't have the answers. Mysteries that we can't really tell. But what is marvelous about God's providence is that even when it's mysterious, it is accomplishing a purpose. Just like in the book of Jonah, even when we can't see, we cannot see beyond the storm or we cannot see what is happening, God is preparing all things for a purpose, either in our own lives or the lives of others around us. Even when we cannot make sense of what is happening around us, we can rest assured that God is in control, however hard the situation might be. In fact, it is through this mysterious and hard providence that God changes Jonah from a running prophet to a prophet that is commissioned to bring his word once again. It is sometimes hard to imagine that the same Jonah fleeing from God, run away from God, turning off his word, is now capable of praying to God with such beautiful and profound words, bringing to God this beautiful hymn to the Lord. God's work of salvation is not only mysterious, but sometimes it reaches the bottom of the pit. His mercy reads the bottom pit. That's our second point. As Jonah experiences almost drowning, he prays to the Lord, says, I cried. It's the same expression that the shipmaster told him to do in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 6. Rise, call upon thy God. You see, finally, Jonah is doing what the Lord told him to do and what the shipmaster told him to do. He's finally fulfilling it. I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And this is pretty much the summary of his whole life and death experience. Because of his affliction, he cried unto the Lord. And then it says, And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Jonah was expecting to die. And now, for his, to his surprise, he was alive. But more than that, God heard him. Even from the belly of that fish, God heard him. God heard his prayer. He thought he was going to drown at the bottom of the ocean. But here he is, alive. And the fact that the Lord answers him amazes him. The word for hell here is the famous Hebrew word sheol. It refers to the abode of the dead, often translated as grave in the Old Testament. Like Job chapter 7, verse 9, As the cloud is consumed and vanishes away, so he that goes down to the grave shall come up no more. Or Psalm 6, verse 5. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave who shall give thee thanks. See, being in the belly of hell, in the belly of Sheol, means that Jonah thought that this place was going to be his grave. He thought that at the belly of that fish was his end. 
as if the sea wasn't enough. Now Jonah thought that he was buried alive. He was going to die in that place. And from this unimaginable place, the most unimaginable thing happened. He heard me. He heard me. Jonah comes to the conclusion that God heard him, that God was capable of hearing him even in the bottom of the pit that he was. Have you hit the bottom yet? Where are you in your descent journey? Have you come to the bottom of the pit? For Jonah, the bottom was the belly of the fish, the bottom of the ocean. It was, we could say, almost too late to play, to pray. Almost. That is the beauty of prayer. It can be late to play, to pray, but if we are alive, it is never too late. As we'll see in the life of Jonah, it took a long time until finally he prayed to God. But even in the belly of the fish, in the bottom of the ocean, it wasn't too late. Then verse 3 to the beginning of verse 6 are basically the depiction of Jonah's near-death experience. You can call it Jonah's downward spiral of death. He's going down and down and down. What it seems to be a spiral of death. Verse 3, Jonah opens with the words of Psalm 120, verse 1. Then he borrows from Psalm 42, verse 8. But what was metaphorical in Psalm 42 is now, now is quite literal in Jonah's life. He is indeed being tossed one way to the other by the waves. I mean, what was say as a metaphor in this psalm is quite literal in Jonah's life. He is indeed experiencing God's waves crushing over him. And notice how Jonah is saying that this is all God's work. For you, O Lord, cast me into the deep. He knows that it might have been the hands of the sailor men who cast him into the ocean. But he knows that behind that, it was God's command. It was God's design that God was in control. He knows deep down that all that was happening to him was by God's command. He's well, well aware that he is not there because of the sailors, but because of God. And then verse 4 is a coalition of three psalms, two psalms. 31 verse 22 and, chapter, and Psalm 5 verse 7. And the combination of these two psalms is interesting. Because on the one hand, Jonah is feeling abandoned by God. By the way, it is ironic that he's feeling abandoned by God, that he is feeling that he is removed from God's sight. That is exactly what he tried to do, wasn't it? He tried to flee, to run away from the presence of the Lord. And now he's praying to the Lord, feeling downcasted because he's out of God's sight. As if God had given him exactly what he asked for. But even so, on the other hand, Jonah has his hope preserved. Yet, 
yet I will look again toward thy temple, thy holy temple. God's temple represents God's presence among his people. God who dwells in Zion, so high on Zion. But even so, Jonah has this hope that he will once again enjoy fellowship with God. Even though he fled from God, he still had the hope of enjoying a restored fellowship and communion with God. In spite of what he has been through and how he disobeyed God, he longs to be once again in the presence of the Lord. In his heart of hearts, Jonah knows that God is a God of mercy. Even though he has tasted God's hand in that storm, in that fish, he knows that his God is a God of mercy. And Jonah's afflictions continue. Verse 5, Jonah is borrowing from Psalm 69, verse 1. A very fitting psalm, by the way, because six, Psalm 69, it is a plea before the Lord. And because there is a lot of water stuff happening in Psalm 69, so Jonah is borrowing the context, the image of the psalm, and applying to his own life, saying, yes, indeed, it's very fitting. I am experiencing this reality. The picture of this verse is really that he is drowning. Little by little, more and more, he's drowning. The waters are surrounding him. Then the death closes around about him. And finally, he even has seaweeds around his head. Jonah is going in a downward spiral of death. He's drowning into the waters. The waters are raising more and more and covering him. Jonah was going down and down until finally he reached the bottom. Verse 6, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. And once again, it is ironic because he was the one who started this descent journey. You remember chapter 1, verse 3? But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. He is the one who started this descent journey. Once again, it's almost as if the Lord was giving to him what he asked for. You ask to be removed from God's face? Here it is. You ask to go down and to flee from him? Here it is. Jonah's descent now comes to the lowest point. Not simply in the sense of drowning, but in the sense of dying. It says, the earth with her bars was about, was about me forever. And the image here is uh, the bolts of the door, as if the, the, the gates of death was about to be shut before him. And there would be no coming back. That's it. This is the end. Jonah had a, an appointment with death, and there would be no second chance, no escape from this appointment. Children, I remember that when I was little, one of my Sunday school classes, there was a picture of Jonah, of this story, this very story in the book of Jonah. And there was a painting of Jonah inside the fish's belly. And I remember very well this picture. Jonah was there with his hands together praying to the Lord and his knees. 
And there was even a, a, a little fire by him inside that fish's belly. I never forgot the picture. But that picture was dead wrong. He was probably very tight inside that fish's belly. It was not a spacious room. It was not a comfortable place. He was probably all wet, soaked wet, his whole body, as we saw. There was seaweeds around his head, around his body. He was probably cold because of the sea and the depths of the ocean. And he maybe was even seasick by all the movement and going in the ocean. He was not a good experience for Jonah. That was not a fun place to be. But children, remember, Jonah was there because he was running from God. He was running from God. But how silly. He thought he could escape God, flee from God. But God was there. Even there, God was there. And the good news is that he was there to pull him up from this pit that he was in. The unexpected happens. Yet hast thou brought up my life. But you, O oh God, have brought up my life from this pit. He thought he was in the grave. That's it. He was buried alive. He was going to die. But God brought up. My life. The unexpected, God reached out to him and brought him up. God brought his soul from the grave up to life. It is when he reads rock bottom that God starts pulling him up again. This is a turning verse in the prayer, in Jonah's prayer. The moment when the unexpected happened. From death, life. Perhaps you may be thinking tonight that you are lost. That that's it for you. The gates of death, of your sins are shut before you. There's no coming back. You are as good as dead before God. That after what you did... There's no coming back. There's no repentance. There is no chance that God would reach out to you and bring you up. You're going to drown where you are. And nothing can pull you up. But brothers, the good news of this story is that if you are still breathing, there's still hope. If you are still here tonight, it's because there is hope even for the greatest sinner, despite of how hard the situation can be and how deep into the pit you might be. If there is life in you, if you're breathing, there is hope. From the pit of misery that you are in, God can pull you up. He can bring the dead to life. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 6 but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, 
hath quickeness. That is, he hath made us alive together with Christ. By grace, ye are saved. You see, he didn't make us more lively when we were already living. No. He made us alive when we were dead. It was the worst of the worst, rock bottom, dead in our sins and trespasses. That is when He made us alive. If you are still breathing, there is hope. Even Jonah, inside a stinky fish, knew he was not out of God's grace. He was not out of reach of God's grace. How much closer are you if you are here today? How much closer if you are sitting here before His Word calling you out? If even Jonah in that place knew he was not out of reach of God's hand. That's a call for us. A call for us to call upon Him. It's not too late. To repent and believe. Because he can pull us up from that pit. It is after Jonah experiences the extraordinary that he is able to call him, O Lord, my God. O Lord, my God. And it is after this that Jonah was about to experience that God's grace reached the unreachable. As we will see in our third point, God's grace reaches the unreachable. Verse 7, When my soul fainted within me, this is when I was about to pass out. Life was really fading away at this point, as if Jonah was almost dying. Then, I remember the Lord. Or literally, the Lord I remembered. The focus here is not in Jonah's remembering, but in the Lord who he remembered. The Lord who can save him. Despite his his disobedience, Jonah still believes that the Lord was powerful enough to save him. And so he pleads before the Lord. He storms the mercy seat. He knows his prayer can still reach the Lord. And this is the same expression that appears in Psalm 88, verse 2. Which is, by the way, another very interesting psalm that Jonah is quoting. Quite a unique psalm. In the sense that this psalm is a lament, but different than other psalms that turn into praise. This psalm is basically just a lament before God. Very fitting for Jonah's moment. The only petition that this psalm, Psalm 88, makes is, to be heard by the Lord. And that's exactly the verse that Jonah is quoting from. He's identifying himself with that lament. And he's bringing this petition before the Lord. One thing I ask. To be heard by thee, O Lord. I don't think this, that Jonah is quoting this verse out of context. No. He's aware, well aware of the context. And he's plugging in the context of the psalm into his own life. The struggle of the psalmist is Jonah's struggle. See, he's borrowing the words of the psalm and applying to him. 
And that is a lesson for us. I mean, sometimes when words fail us, we can use God's own words before Him. Pray the Psalms. Sing the Psalms. Bring His own words to Him. Pray with the words that He gave us to use. The distance couldn't be greater between God's holy temple, the Lord who dwells in Zion, and Jonah was at the bottom of the sea. But even distance was no barrier for God to hear him. He knew that God is almighty, and God is able to hear him even when we are far away. Even when we are hiding, God sees us. Even when we are whispering in our rooms closed, with closed doors, God hears us. Jonah knew that the distance between the Almighty God and a stinky sinner in the belly of a fish was one prayer. It takes but one prayer to fill that gap between the sinner man and the God Almighty. One prayer. You could say that the longest bridge that exists is prayer. Prayer bridges earth and heaven. A sinner man and a compassionate God. And I invite you to walk this bridge. Make this a familiar road that you walk in. Daily, daily coming before the Lord. And bring your petitions before Him. Let this not be a mysterious bridge, but a familiar road that you walk every day. Let prayer be not an exception in your life, but the norm. Do not wait to be like Jonah, cast out of God's sight. But pray daily, daily, daily before Him. Bring it before him your petitions. Cry out to him and know that he is able and willing to save. Then Jonah contrasts his experience with those who don't know the Lord. In verse 8, he says that those who follow false idols are deceiving themselves. They are insubstantial idols. That is, they have no substance. They're false. They, are, they simply don't exist. He calls them lying vanities. There is no substance. They are like a vapor, a shadow. They, know they don't exist by themselves. And we could be thinking, how foolish, right? That people could believe in such, a fa- in such false idols, right? How foolish to believe in fa- false idols. Like if we were above believing in false promises like this. Like the promises of money, social status, physical beauty, entertainment, comfort, job security. Some of these can be good things, meaningful at least. But in the end, there is no mercy in them. And the word here for mercy refers to God. God's covenantal faithfulness, showing that those who worship and pursue these false idols do not partake of God's covenantal faithfulness and love and mercy. 
It is for his people. And then Jonah says, but I, in verse 9, contrasting with those who put their hopes in idols, Jonah says, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. He is resolute now to offer sacrifice unto the Lord, to give his life to the Lord, to walk a road of obedience unto the Lord. And this, by the way, is exactly what the sailors had already done. Chapter 1, verse 16. Jonah has now come to the point where the sailors already were a long time ago. They prayed to God. They offered sacrifice to God. They made vows to God. And that's exactly what Jonah is doing. The former pagans came to this point much earlier than the running prophet Jonah. In this verse... There is a cluster of psalms here. Jonah is quoting from three psalms, or at least making an allusion to three psalms. I'll just give them briefly, and you can look that up later. Psalm 42, verse 4. Psalm 50, verse 14. And Psalm 3, verse 8. Jonah is, is filled with praise and thanksgiving for God's mercy, and he is using the Psalms here as ammunition to storm the mercy seat. As he has all these verses in his mind, and now he's pouring out all these words before the Lord. He's using them as, as ammunition to pray to God. And the last line of Jonah's prayer is really beautiful. Salvation is of the Lord. This is really the whole summary of his experience. The whole summary of his life. Salvation is of the Lord. The word that Jonah uses here for salvation is really a good choice. A fitting word. In the Old Testament, this word was more generic. It had a more generic sense as a verb, it appears many times speaking of deliverance, especially being used for God delivering His people from real tribulations, real dangers. In the New Testament, this word is translated more in the sense of forgiveness of sins, from where we have our word soteriology, right? The doctrine of salvation. And the one who operates this salvation is then called a savior. A savior. This word has the same root as the noun, as the noun form for the name Joshua, who then in the New Testament is finally translated as Jesus. Jesus. And we know what the fulfillment of this verse is. Yes, salvation is of the Lord. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is salvation. He is the great I am that I am. He is the one that before Abraham was, I am. He is the fulfillment of this verse. The great I am and salvation made flesh himself. Salvation is of the Lord. and His name is Jesus and we can plead to him. And on the next verse, God responds to Jonah's prayer. God answers to Jonah's prayer. 
Verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. It's a, go- a great contrast with the last verse. Jonah prayed to the Lord, and now the Lord answered. The way that the Lord answered is at the same time ironic and merciful. It is ironic because the beautiful prayer and poem that Jonah was composing and prayed to the Lord is now interrupted by a fish throwing up the prophet at dry land. It was at least very undignifying for the prophet to go through that process. But at the same time, it was very merciful and gracious because he was delivering Jonah. He was on dry land. Finally, at this point, that is all he could ask for. Dry land. Finally. Jonah's prayer is a praise of thanksgiving. You see, Throughout the prayer, he's not pleading for deliverance, but he's recognizing that he has been delivered by the Lord. Jonah recognized that the fish was God's providence of deliverance, not punishment. That he was in that fish's belly alive because of God's grace, not his punishment. God had everything under his control. The story of Jonah sounds unbelievable. But what man calls coincidence or unbelievable, God simply calls design. And in God's providence, Jonah has a second chance. It is a new beginning for Jonah. It's a humble new beginning. Perhaps many of us need a new beginning as well. Like the one that was given to Jonah... It might not be as dignifying as we think we deserve. And the reality is that that none of us deserve any dignity after what we have done to the Lord. We don't deserve any dignity. But it is a new beginning, nonetheless. A second chance. Christianity is not about how good you are, how good you think you are or you can be. But it is about God's grace reaching the unreachable. Touching what was unreachable. For him who was sinless became sin in our place. Him who knew no sin became sin for us. His grace reached the unreachable. This should tell us two things. The first thing is that it's not too late. If you are here tonight, it's not too late for you. We could be thinking that maybe we have reached rock bottom. But no one is beyond his hand of grace to touch. Because his hand touched the unreachable. So if you are here tonight, it's not too late. No one is too lost that cannot be saved. But second, this should motivate us to evangelize. We need to be reminded where we came from. We need to be reminded where we were 
and where we would be but for God's grace. To know that God's grace is not shortened to save others like ourselves. We need to be willing to show mercy the same way that God has shown to us. See, God was so gracious to us, reaching out to us when we were dead. All of us, no exception. How could we neglect those who are perishing around us? That's the call that he's giving us tonight. We need to be willing to show mercy the same way that he has done for us. But in the end of Jonah's prayer, Jonah prayed only for himself and not for others. He confesses that those who are worshiping idols are being deceived, as he said in verse 8. But he, did, he doesn't really express mercy for them yet. So although he learned the lesson of obeying God, he didn't yet learn the lesson of loving his neighbor. This will reveal to be another tough lesson for Jonah, as will come up later. But in conclusion, do you want another reason to believe that Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish? Well, the reason is that Jesus said he was. And like Jonah, he would go there under the earth for three days and three nights. Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 to 41. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want, us, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repent at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. That was the word that Jesus gave to that unfaithful generation. Perhaps some of you have heard have a hard time believing that this event was possible. How could it be that a man was three days and three nights in the belly of a fish? The Ninevites repented and believed because they heard Jonah preaching and they recognized that God is indeed able to save the lost as he did to Jonah. Jesus also came from the place of dead actually resurrecting from the dead an even greater miracle than that of Jonah. But can you believe that this miracle will serve only as a judgment for many? A greater than Jonah has come. And how much more we will be judged if we reject he that speaks to us.
the one who is greater than Jonah is here today, and through his word he speaks to us, calling us out. Repent and believe. Pray to me. God's far-reaching work of redemption can sometimes be unpredictable. It comes in ways that we couldn't imagine. Sometimes we cannot make sense of what is happening around us. In our life or in society or in the life of others around us, a storm that swipes over our lives or struggles that come to a certain point that seems to be swallowing us up alive, buried alive, a pit of affliction. But many times, behind God's storm is His unfading mercy, which will not abandon you until you come to Him. That is the reality that so many times we fail to recognize. That it is as much grace to take you out of the storm as it was His grace that brought you into the storm. Because otherwise, you would have run away from Him. You see, it's easy to want to be free from the problems that sin brings to our life. But sometimes God brings up this problem so that we can deal with the cause of the problem. Come to Him. Pray to Him. It's hard, I know, to believe that the storm that can be in our lives, it's actually God's grace. But if He had let you drift away, you would have faced a much greater destruction in the end. So hear while he calls. Hear his voice in this storm. Hear his voice as he speaks to you. Hear his voice even from the belly of the fish. So do not neglect the one who is greater than Jonah as he calls you. For the one who, has, who is greater than Jonah has come. And he's calling you, even today, to come to him, to obey his voice, and to call upon him. Because he is the only name that can save you. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father and all-merciful God, we come before Thee, O Lord, recognize that we have run away from Thee. We have sinned against Thee in so many ways. For, O Lord, we pray to Thee, not to, the, to remove the storms from our lives, but to remove the sin that caused the storm. O Lord, deal with us. Humble us one way or the other, Lord, but do not let us perish away from Thee. It's better to be in this storm and in Thy presence than away from Thee and in peace. 
Humble us, Lord, before Thee. And it is in Thy presence that we praise Thee, Lord, knowing that Thou hear our cries. That though Thou art high on Zion, Thou art a merciful God who can reach to the bottom of the pit and rescue us. And, O Lord, we also pray that Thou would recommission us in a way that once again we can proclaim Thy word to the souls that are perishing around us, they're drowning us, they're drowning, Lord. Have mercy on them and have mercy on us and use us to preach Thy word. So, O Lord, let this be a live church, a light upon a hill that shines forth thy light and thy glory to others who are perishing. O Lord, we pray that even tonight sinners would be restored. Break the heart of the sinner man and bring us, Lord, before thee and help us to taste the same reality that Jonah did, that thy mercy can reach to the unreachable. And we pray all these, Lord, through Jesus Christ, the one who has tasted death in our place, the only one who can save us from our afflictions. We pray in his name. Amen.